Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. And today we're going to talk about Apple launching a new Ask for Developers program, Apple Card Savings Account, Meta vs. Apple VR, got some MagSafe battery talk, and Joe Rogan actually interviewed Steve Jobs on a podcast recently. Kind of. We'll get to that in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Pharmacy, ZocDoc, it's a great pair right there, and Tart Cherry Gummies. And joining me on this monumental episode number 444, my friend across the pond, oh. William Gallagher. How's it going, William? Oh, 444, four, four. I love it. That's, that's my lucky, would you believe that's my lucky number? Is it? Is it really? 444? Four, four, four. Mm. It doesn't come up in dice a lot, but when it does, <laughs> you bet big. Okay. I can't, wait a minute, I can't tell if you're serious or not. Is that really a, <laughs> no, a, a meaningful number? Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, that's a, that's a large number to uh, say is your lucky yes. number. It doesn't come around. There's not even that many days in a year. You gotta go like uh, a year and a half. Nope. But you, you said that you are lucky because you actually have some new smart blinds or something. What did you get, William? Well, they're kind of on the way. Um, I have half of the gear here. The other half okay. arrives uh, tomorrow. I have quite a large office window. It's an awkward size. So I keep. I have had blinds, and I've never been able to quite get them set down. So I went the smart blind route, except uh, it would have to have been a custom built smart blind thing and it was going to be three to four hundred pounds to do this to fit mm. so i gave up i went there's a retail outlet here called dunelm and they i'm for 24 pounds whatever that is in dollars Ooh. wait a minute the way the pound dollar is going that's probably about three dollars <laughs> at the moment um, <laughs> oh no I, I have ordered a kind of blackout blinds but to go with them, I've got the uh, a thing called the Akara, I think it's pronounced. Uh, it's okay. like a motor. Uh, basically, yeah. it hangs on to the cord and pulls it for you. And that is going to be... I've got that. That's ready to be fitted to the wall as soon as the blinds arrive. And all of nice. it. Partly, I mean, seriously, I want to keep the office warmer than it is because it gets cold in here and we have utility problems at the moment here. It's better to stay warm than to heat anything. Uh, but also, oh. I am desperate for the ability to just call out into the air... Hey, Iris, or a very similar name, Shields Up. <laughs> Shields Up. Yeah, looking forward to that. Man, you're getting, you're getting a whole HomeKit setup. You're going to be a special guest on the HomeKit Insider Show. You could talk about that for now. Uh, I'm aspiring to that. Yeah, uh, aspiring. One button at a time. One hue light bulb at a time. That's I'm right. getting there. I will say right now, as we record, one pound is a US dollar, $1.14. So we're, we're up 14 cents from you right now. Weird thing is, this should make Britain a really attractive for people to come over from the States and mm. things. Um, mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. honestly, these days, what would you come for? You know, it's very depressing <laughs> around here. I mean, so. the uh, fish and chips, right? That's a... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am personally meeting everybody who comes. So well, that's up or down. I don't know how you'll take that one. Yeah. <laughs> now that you mentioned that, first of all, I would love to travel there just, just so we could hang out. That would be a lot of fun. That'd be good. But we have so many listeners from Great Britain because a couple of weeks ago we said maybe everyone who listens to this show in Great Britain has already rated the show <laughs> like with five star reviews. Yeah. And now we have a plethora of UK listeners that are saying, all right, all right, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you five stars now because you called us out. And so <laughs> we have... Mind your own from Great Britain. Mind your own from yeah, Great. Yeah, we don't know what, what we're minding. Great name. It is pretty good. Oh, I love that. That is pretty yeah, good. Okay. Liu Jid from Switzerland, so another European listener. But then Sinky seventy two from Great Britain. <laughs> okay, and uh, he actually supports on Patreon. Thank you for that. Stockton from British, but he lives in Finland. Oh, so I, I don't. Yeah, he's he's a Brit, but he's a British listener. He's just living over there. But that doesn't mean he listens in British. Yeah. Does it? <laughs> well. Only when you're on the show. Okay. But Lukey97 from Great Britain. Okay, look at all these people coming out of the Oh, no, no, no. The Lukeys. Uh, I know 17 of the 97 Lukeys personally, and okay. uh, each one, I mean, more dangerous than the next. It's, it's, uh, oh, that's mysterious. it's quite okay. a bunch there you've got. Yeah. Okay. Now, C-S-T-O-R-M-S-C from Panama City, like Panama Canal, Panama. This is not Panama City, Florida. Oh. It's very confusing over here in the States. A lot of things that sound like things. He hasn't seen Ted Lasso either. So he, he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to see it. And then finally, Collard84, also from, guess what, Great Britain. Oh, All right. these people living around you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling guilty now for telling you how things are going when every one of these people might be having a much better time than I'm making it sound. I, well, I'm the grumpy them... British guy today. I'm really sorry. 
That's all right. Well, none of you have Apple Card yet, and that, uh. that might be a reason to be grumpy and, because we actually have some new features that were just announced earlier uh, today. I, knew, I heard about these. I thought, he's going to talk about this. He's yes, going to rub it in. I, I'm not trying to rub it in. I wish you could have them too. I don't know what the deal yeah, is. Apple, Apple Card is working very hard at launching new Apple Card features in the U.S., mm. <laughs> just no, mm. nowhere else. It's like America's where Apple is based or something. I just, mm. you know, what is up so. with that? Ah, yeah. so strange. I'll have to do some research, but I think that's accurate. <laughs> so we'll 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 get to all that in a second. I do want to do some follow ups. Trying, I'm I'm changing the format a little bit of the show, William. I don't know if you caught on yet, but I, but I like this idea of doing the follow ups because we've got a lot of listeners reaching out during the week. So I, I'm trying to do follow ups, and then you do the news, and then you do uh, any longer form stuff at the end. You know, I'm trying a new format here. Okay? All right, that's cool. Try, I, I I really want to get your thoughts on the uh, Joe Rogan Steve Jobs podcast yeah i listened to that yeah, so did yeah. i so did i we'll get to that last week we talked about is there a call time limit on iphone and I had a few listeners write in michael caputo he's got a great youtube channel also but he said this is probably a carrier limit so if you're on the phone and we had a listener saying uh, they want a greater than eight hour limit to make a cellular phone call not so much an audio facetime but a cellular call. And Michael thinks that it might be a carrier limit. And so depending on your carrier, might be eight hours, might be more or less. So maybe check with your carrier to see. I mean, uh, William and I, will we'll leave the phone going and we'll have like a nine hour phone call just, you know, with each other, just not saying anything. We'll just- My bill is bad enough, you know? I mean- no, <laughs> You still paying by the minutes? <laughs> what are they doing over there in the UK? Well, no, it used to- I, I love the fact that with all phone deals in the UK, you get some incredible number of minutes a month. And you've always got that since people are using fewer and fewer phone calls. So your minutes- I must have you know, several million unused minutes by now. But it sounds to me like eight hours calling Australia or something on a 3G connection could mm. eat into that. Just a little bit. There yeah. might be a limit. There might be a limit. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting. Now, Andy L., he's asking about cases. We talked a little bit about cases last week. Mm. And I forget, William, I feel like you're a no-case guy, right? That's true. Somebody, um, David Sparks, uh, the Mac Powys guy, said once somewhere that uh, his case is called Apple Care. Yeah. And I thought that was such a clever thing. I don't know if, I mean, I can't remember where that stuck in my head from years ago. But uh, I nodded approvingly at that, and I, I am the same. That is a that is now a quippy response. I had a lot of listeners on Twitter when I mentioned cases. They were like, "My case is Apple Care." It's like, "All right, all right, all right. I yeah. get it. I I got y'all." Well, Andy is looking for a Pro Max case that has a leather bottom half but plastic see-through top, which sounds like a like a very uh, unique design. I'm not sure, so I'm asking the listeners out there if you have any idea of a case like that, leather bottom plastic see-through top which would be nice because you see the color of the phone but let me know so or let andy know so we can uh, share that i know the atp guys like john syracuse he is very adamant that his iphone case cannot have a bottom lip he doesn't like bottom lips he, you know he wants to be able to swipe up to home unobstructed oh i see that, you know yeah, that no, makes sense yeah. no case lip so i'll put he uses john syracuse he uses the bull strap Okay, so that one has a bottom lip, but there's another one from Ryan London. I'll put this link in the show notes, but this is a leather iPhone case. They already make it for the 14 and 14 Pro. Leather case, no bottom lip. It's just got that open bottom, like Apple's leather cases used to be like that. I think with the iPhone like 10 and 10s. He's to have that. My wife Angela has a plastic clear case that she likes very much. I mean, it's just a, a cheap thing that she got but it does everything she needs except every night she has to take the phone out of the case in order for it to uh, connect properly on the lightning oh. uh, connector just the tolerances are just slightly oh. out so um, I might follow this discussion and see if there's a Christmas present oh. in her future there you go yes that would be very good I'm I'm an Apple case guy I get a silicone and a leather case every year for different purposes and so I go between those I also find MagSafe stuff works better with just Apple straight MagSafe cases. Oh, right. I've, I've used cases from third parties that are like, yeah, it's compatible with MagSafe, but it's like, no, it's not really like strong enough to hold that the MagSafe thing. Because we also had another listener asking, uh, Brian Barletta, asking about MagSafe wallets. But uh, actually, we'll get to that in a second because I want to talk about MagSafe battery packs also. Right. So we'll get to that. Some news. Ask Apple for developers. It's a new announcement from Apple. Apple announced that it's going to be doing an ongoing series. This isn't a one-time deal. This will be a repeated event 
but that they were going to be opening it up for Q&As and even one-on-ones so developers can ask questions as they're trying to make their apps, apart from the WWDC moment. You know, every summer there's like that, you know, the big event and developers get to learn a lot. But a lot of times between the years or in the middle of the year, it's hard for developers to get that direct help. So this is actually launching October 17th through 21. It's going to be the first round of opportunities where developers can meet with Apple, ask questions directly, and they're gonna be doing this regularly. And I've seen a lot of companies doing this now. Some companies call it like Q&A, some call it office hours, where like an expert from the company will be available either in a live stream or like a webinar style format. So I think it's fascinating. I think it's great that Apple's yeah. doing something like this. So what do you think? Absolutely. I remember around the time of when uh, WWDC had to go on, uh, the keynote had to go on video, some developers were saying the video is very nice, but what they missed was that close interactivity. But not only with Apple engineers solving problems, also with other developers in similar situations. Right. And this sounds like it definitely addresses that one, the contact with Apple engineers. Although Apple's very careful. Uh, they do mention engineers, but it's they go with um, Apple experts, designers, and evangelists, which feels like they're <laughs> compartmentalizing a bit. And maybe you don't have developer to developer mm. contact, but we'll see. Um, there's also a reference to how uh, somehow, and I don't understand why, excuse me, I don't understand how, developers will be able to engage with other developers around the world. And I'm, it's not clear to me yet how that would happen. But if they can do that as well, then this sounds like a great thing. It will be interesting. I know sometimes I've actually hosted office hours for companies where it's kind of like an open invite. You know, you send an email to users of a product and say, you know, there's an hour, office hours, we're going to present on this specific topic, I imagine for Apple, it would be like, here's some info on this API. You know, we'll spend 15 mm. minutes talking in depth about this API that developers might be interested in. And then we'll open for questions. And the questions could be like a live chat box where maybe developers can type in it and questions and Apple will answer them live via video. And in that sense, you know, developers might be able to talk to each other True. in that chat thing. Or I'd, I'd be curious, I'm curious how they do it. Like, is it a live stream? Is it chat boxes so i think it's it's really interesting again it's next week as we record and so we'll know yeah. more after that but pretty cool i'm glad they're doing it it feels like an experiment the fact that the first one is so short um i thought at first that was your registration period but no that's the total period for this now and there's no other dates announced we just we know there will be some i imagine it's they'll try things out and it will grow and grow yeah and if it works and actually just i found the direct page so it's introducing ask apple i'll put this link in show notes but it says Q&As, get your questions answered by Apple experts and engage with the developer community through text-based group chats in Slack. We'll focus on optimizing experiences for new platforms and hardware, from supporting new features like Dynamic Island to migrating to Swift and Swift UI. Then it has a list of topics that are going to be covered, like accessibility and inclusion, app services, app store, some pretty broad topics there. And then there's a register button for that. And then a second aspect of Ask Apple, which is going to be office hours, and it says here that you can request a one-on-one 25-minute -on -one consultation on creating and distributing great apps. So you can register for that one-on-one 25-minute -on -one session or the Q&A, which seems to be, you know, text-based group chats. And right. see, I would think developers could uh, interact with each other there. That's pretty cool. It sounds really good. Yeah, great. Good on them. It is very cool. I will say when I was at that uh, podcast conference, podcast movement back in August, the Apple podcast team did a similar thing where you could actually book a 20 minute session to talk to the team and talk about different things. And it was, it was really cool. I mean, I feel like this is a, another sign of Apple opening up a little more to the outside community, not just, you know, people covering the products like video and YouTube and all that, but to developers and other, you know, just more user, like kind of widening that base of open communication with the outside community. So I think it's very cool. Very cool. Uh, speaking of things that are not open to the wider community though, Apple card, uh-huh. Oh, that old thing. Is that the, still going? The yeah. Apple Card. Yeah. <laughs> Another yeah. announcement this week is that Apple Card users will soon be able to take their daily cash rewards and put it directly into a high-yield savings account from Goldman Sachs. So if you use Apple Card, sorry, William, I, I mean, you, it's not available. It's not, you, know, uh -huh. you, you can't talk about it. But when you use the Apple Card, you get daily cash. If you buy something from Apple, either online or in the store, you get 3% cash back on the purchase. If you use Apple Pay at any merchant, like your grocery store or whatever, 
you get 2% daily cash back. And if you just use the card non-Apple Pay, just swiping it like at a restaurant, you get 1% cash back. And so this will be a new feature where typically, like when I use the Apple Cash Back, you can use it in your payment towards the card. So whatever you're buying directly from Apple, you could basically consider it 3% less because you can just put that daily cash right back into paying off the card. Or this will be a new feature. It's not available just yet. I already checked and I'll get to that in a second. But this will be a new feature where it will take that daily cash and rather than applying it back into your payment or just sitting in the Apple Cash card, this will be put in a savings account from Goldman Sachs. and You'll be able to track it right there in the wallet app. And it'd be a nice uh, little savings. I'm probably going to sign up for this. It seems pretty cool. Do you have daily cash there or Apple Cash in the UK? We've got Apple Pay. So Apple Cash is like the in the wallet. You know what I'm talking about? I know how it works. And um, I have actually, I've been trying to avoid credit card usage here. Um, I have one that kind of use it for emergencies. And I know if Apple Card came out, not only with the cashback things, but also all the other features for money management, I would probably move all of my purchases over to Apple Card and just keep clearing the balance away, the way you probably should do uh, with it. <laughs> right. But, because we don't have that, because we don't have features, I haven't. I I know there are rewards that are available for it, and I think some of them are even better than Apple's daily cash. But I don't have them. No, right. I, I just want to check. I think I because of what you said about coming back to something. I know what you're going to do here, but when you said that the, an announcement was made, it's almost like just half an announcement, because everything you've just said is true. But this high yield account, they've neglected to say what percentage that is. And also, when is it coming? It's in the coming months. In the coming I, months. I am sure something changed, something went wrong, and they were unable to put the details out. I mean, mm. you think making hardware is difficult, but finance arrangements are Oof. impossible. I mean, ask the UK Chancellor. You know, things are really <laughs> difficult. Well, and that's also Apple Pay Later was delayed, which is another oh, that's true, yes. Apple Card service. And so there the, are complications even in that. And Apple Pay Later was make mm. a purchase and you'll have four equal payments to pay it off. But Apple was going to handle the finance. I mean, quote unquote, Apple was going to handle the financing probably through, yeah. you know, third party. But that was delayed because it, it wasn't worked out. But Apple Cash, just to be clear, like if you're going to send someone money in like iMessages, that will pull from Apple Cash. And Apple Cash, the Apple Cash card can be connected to like a checking account. And so it will pull from your checking account to send money. And then when you receive money, like via an iMessage, then you can deposit that cash back into your checking if you prefer. Same way if you wanted 3% cash back on an Apple purchase, you can just take that Apple Cash and put it in your checking account. But, you know, typically paying off the credit card is just easier. You know, Apple kind of does it by default uh, when you do it. But like you were saying, it is not available yet. It's in the coming months. I went to my wallet app just to see. Like, I wonder if there's any information in there or if there's like a button for more info, sign up. But I went in there and conveniently it said, your Apple card's not available. (laughs) And I said, what? Okay. What? And it was like all blanked out. It showed a picture of the Apple card and I'll make this the chapter art. It said, this card (laughs) cannot be used. Remove this card and try adding it again. Then there was a red remove card button. And that's all it said in the wallet app. And so as you do, I tweeted out the screenshot and I said, what's up? Hmm. And Mike Worthley, <laughs> like in seconds, tweeted back. Apparently, we already have an article on AppleInsider.com about this, <laughs> what to do when you see this error, but you just remove it and then add the card back. And I was already in a text message conversation with Apple support, you know, their business chat. It's like hmm. the gray text messages. And they were telling me to do the same thing. The reason why I was hesitant was because when you click the remove card, it says your transaction history will be removed. Yeah. And I was that's like, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. I, I don't want to lose that. So what happens? But Apple said to do it even more credible. Mike Worthley said to do it. So I, so I did it <laughs> and, and nothing happened. I removed the card. It was gone. And then I hit the plus button again. It said previously added cards. I tapped that. It showed the Apple card. I tapped the Apple card and it was back to normal. All my transactions were there. Apple card was back. I could, double click for Apple Pay to use it. So very strange. Mm. It must be some backend thing, but a lot of people have experienced this. I had people on Twitter saying, oh yeah, happens all the time. I said, 
Well, that's weird. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that should not happen all the time. So that's it's just a little uh, funky behavior, I guess, with the Apple card and, and all that. So I mean, I hadn't heard of that. Um, I, I realize now you've said it. I, ha- I did know about the messages sending, but I'd forgotten all about it because, of course, I can't do it. In fact, actually, I can't quite picture how this works. Would you like to send me $1,000 over messages so that I can <laughs> screenshot it? And Oh, um... uh, yeah, let's see. I'm going to I'm going to add it. I'm going to text William Gallagher. Here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got. Yep, there it is. I got your iMessage thing right here. I'm going to hit the Apple Cash button. William Gallagher cannot receive payments sent with Apple Cash at this time. No! Oh. <laughs> so sorry. Wait, are you just making this up? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I'm going to send you the screenshot right now. I don't, I don't know if you don't have Apple Cash set up. Uh, Apple Cash is part of Apple Card, isn't it? So No, no, it's separate. How Apple, would I get to it? If you go to the Wallet app, there should be an Apple Cash setup I've thing. I've never seen this. Let's find the Wallet. Um here we go. This is this is this is live uh, technical support right here. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm so sorry, William. It is also it's not available in the UK. It's only in the United States. I thought Apple Cash was everywhere. Wow. Okay. Just kidding. Apple Pay is, and I like Apple Pay very much. So <laughs> let's just take a deep breath. Just, oh, I'll just move on. I guess. Oh my yep. goodness. Apple. What? Is, okay. Uh, please, if anyone from Apple is listening, I think we have a lot of listeners over there. Let us know. Let us know when is Apple Cash and Apple Card and any Apple financial services coming to the UK? We we want to know. Well, this is uh, it's been a long time. You can probably identify with this, but anytime you need to pick up a prescription from a drugstore, it is a terrible experience. Either you wait in the drive-through and that can take mm, a couple hours, or you go inside and there's huge lines there. Well, no more of that. That's why I love Amazon Pharmacy. Yes. That same Amazon where you get stuff shipped like same day or in two days, well, they deliver a better pharmacy experience and they deliver it directly to your door. Plus it works with most insurance plans. I've used Amazon pharmacy before and it's just as easy as you would expect. Just like using the Amazon app to buy stuff and it just arrives at your house quickly. Same with Amazon pharmacy. It helps you save time, money, and stay healthy. There's transparent pricing so you know what you'll pay before you pay it. Isn't that great? Rather than just get to the drugstore and they tell you, oh, that'll cost hundreds of dollars, you can actually know before you're there paying for it. Prime members can save up to 80% on their prescriptions. And like I mentioned earlier, Amazon Pharmacy works with most insurance plans. And if you ever have questions or problems, real pharmacists are always available at Amazon Pharmacy, no matter what time of day or night. Your medication gets delivered to your door so there's no more rushing out to the store hoping to get there before they close. A pharmacy that works for your life with meds delivered to your door. It doesn't get any better than that. So switch to Amazon Pharmacy and save time, save money, and stay healthy. You can learn more at Amazon.com slash insider. That's Amazon.com slash insider. That link is also in the show notes. Amazon.com slash insider. Average savings based on usage or inside Rx data as compared to cash prices. Average savings for all generics are 78%, 37% for select brand medicines, and restrictions apply. And speaking of prescriptions, you should get those prescriptions from a doctor that you find on ZocDoc. ZocDoc is an incredible free app where you can find doctors in your area, both general practitioners and specialists, and you can make sure they take your insurance before you go. Again, ZocDoc is a free app. It shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. The ZocDoc mobile app is easy, easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery. Again, like I just said. And find and review local doctors. You can read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments. And when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set to see someone in network who gets you. So go to ZocDoc.com, find the doctor that is right for you, and book an appointment in person or remotely. They do the telehealth too and works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. It's the easiest way to book an appointment with a doctor. It's my go-to whenever I need to find one. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Insider. Download the free ZocDoc app and then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's super quick. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Apple Insider. ZocDoc dot com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. Okay, well, let's get to uh, something, well, maybe more uh, positive. (laughs) iPadOS 16.1 looks to be released by the end of October. Mark Gurman of Bloomberg, he's got all the event predictions and device launches. He's been pretty accurate recently. He says the week of October 24th, 
which is the last, very last week in October, minus the 31st, which is a Monday. Right. But he says the last week of October, we're going to see 16.1. I will say I've been updating to every developer beta as it comes out. There was a new one earlier this week. It was developer beta 12, I believe. It had been pretty buggy, even with the latest ones. And I know Federico Vitici and others who have been really using Stage Manager since it's been released at WWDC saying this is not uh, ready. That Stage Manager is very, very buggy, crashes often, can make the iPad restart. And that's like the latest beta, like this week. And so Apple basically has less than two weeks, maybe, or just about two weeks to fix whatever bugs are there. But yeah, not so good. Are you running the beta on an iPad? Yes, but um, not so much that you'd notice. I installed it to check a feature uh, for parity with macOS Ventura that I was writing about, and whatever it was, it did it, and it was fine, and I've just left it there. I haven't... I mean, I occasionally remember to let it update, but not very often, whereas with the Mac one, because that's what I'm writing about most, I've been taking every single beta update, so I'm on uh, beta 13 of macOS Ventura, and there there's a couple of bugs in there that are driving me spare, and I cannot... I can't understand how anybody in Apple Park is not being driven spare by these same things as well and trying to get them fixed 13 beaters in. I mean, not brand new features, just small little stuff that's that's demonstrably wrong. And I put in feedback about it and, you know, it's, I mean, it's a massive job. I I can't conceive of how big a task this is, Uh, but it does feel that this year it's not as smoothed out and finished as... Perhaps Monterey was or something. I don't know why. Mm. Yeah, because Ventura, I mean, I don't know the current state of the settings app, but Ventura is also supposed to launch this month. I imagine it'll all come out at the same time. iPadOS 16.1, macOS Ventura. So we will see. We'll see how it all shakes out. I would actually like to know this. I'm starting to wonder if I'm the only person who's got this. I was trying to explain the bug that was bothering me. And and I, I realized afterwards, clearly the person I was talking to who is on the beta didn't get it so therefore they haven't had this problem Hmm. but my problem is this every time i have to restart the mac for any reason or boot it up in the morning uh, there will be one of between four and five apps that come up asking for permissions to um, access various things Um, Hmm. but the thing is all five of them i've given them the permissions about 30 times now and when you go into the system settings system settings says they have the permissions you have mm. to undo it and then redo it to get them in and it's it's uh, becoming a pain uh, sometimes uh, th- that will happen but the apps don't warn you so you're thinking um text expander was doing it to me today why isn't text expander expanding textily and it was because permissions had well not been switched off but Text expander had been told they'd been switched off, and mm. I wasn't warned, so it's just trying to get things sorted out. And but that's on the beta, Ventura. It's on the beta, uh, beta 13. Oh, notice <laughs> you just got me saying beta instead of beta. Oh, you, I did. I've gone native. Okay. <laughs> you should have Apple Cash now. I mean, you're basically an American. Uh, I have not experienced that. I know, you know, like that paste issue that was happening with even with iOS 16 on the iPhone, where it's just like, prompting to allow paste access from every application, even Mm. like its own application. So there's a lot of bugs like that. I will say system permissions on Mac can get pretty hairy, even things like screen recording. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're having to do like a zoom call or something and you need to share the screen, zoom has to have screen recording Mm. permissions in system settings. And sometimes it feels like that can be a little finicky. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not running the macOS beta on anything, so I've not had that specific issue, but I do hope that gets fixed because that that would be a challenge. Even like recording like we are right now, different browsers have to have microphone and camera yeah. permissions and all that. So yeah, that would not be uh, fun. No, no. I wanted to mention quickly, we have an article on the site comparing the Google Pixel Watch to Apple Watch Series 8. It's a really good side-by-side if you just kind of want to add a glance of the differences from price which the Pixel Watch is 350, Series 8 starts at 400, so $50 difference. But all the different settings, even the health sensors that are available, it's a good side-by-side. And I've been seeing some initial reviews of the Pixel Watch that the battery life might be a concern because it is smaller. There's only one size Pixel Watch, which is the 41 millimeter, and that the battery life might be a little spotty, especially with the always-on display on. 
So check out that article. I was curious, William, I haven't talked to you since all this stuff came out. What were your thoughts on the Pixel Watch when it came out? It's a very different look. I think it looks very nice. Um, I didn't know about the battery thing. And of course, because it runs Android, I'm never going to use it. But I thought it looked very attractive. Um, and, and I'm still, even after all these, I like the round face instead of Apple squared up thing. Except many years ago now, I actually wore an Android watch for a while and it had the round face. Mm. And it looked brilliant until it would pop up with uh, some sort of dialogue. It would ask you some sort of question, but the dialogue would be a uh, rectangle right. in a circular screen. So some of the words would be off the screen oh. and the yes or no button would definitely be off the screen. So there was no physical way to know what you were doing or how to do it if you ever guessed what you were doing. Oh. So I felt like, yeah, this is not the Apple way of thinking through how things are used. It's just round screens are nice. We'll have one of those. And yeah, actually, this is seriously one of the things that bothers me about Android. It feels like, oh, we can do this, so let's do it. Not, does it actually work mm. then? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I'm with you. Like the round watch looks good at a glance. Some of like, there is a lot of bezel on there. Mm. And so faces that are like blacked out on the back, it can look nice because the bezel's not as noticeable. When you have a screen on that Pixel Watch where it's like a white background or something color, like it definitely, um, you notice it. So, but it looked very nice in the demo. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. That, that never happens. I don't know why I'm okay. Yes. But <laughs> right, I was right, right. briefly intrigued. Let's say briefly, that. Yeah. No, I mean, it looks good. I mean, the crown looks good. Like, it looks more like a watch than a computer. I think that's the, the bottom line. And, it, and that's a nice mm. change. But, you know, we'll see in practice how useful. I wanted to ask you, William, what your thoughts are, if you have any on MagSafe battery packs, because I've uh, gotten a few here. I've been, I've been trying them out because my iPhone 14 Pro battery, you didn't get one, by the way, did you? Did you get a 14 Pro yet? No. Okay, I'm just checking out. I'm gonna my, this is my, my bi-weekly check-in to see if you've Didn't came. get an Ultra watch either. No. Oh, okay, okay. No, no. Did you get an iPhone 14 Plus this week or whatever <laughs> it was as no, well? No, I did not. But supposedly that has better battery life than my 14 Pro. So <laughs> I've been looking okay. at MagSafe battery packs because my 14 Pro, which I've turned off the always on display. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm off on that now. I'm not doing it anymore. And my battery life has been better, noticeably better. So keeping that off for now, we'll see if any software uh, fixes in the future fix that. But looking at MagSafe battery packs because of this. And so I got a few. I've had the Apple MagSafe battery pack since it came out and everybody you know, dunked on it because it was like, ah, it's barely any milliamp hours and it's a piece of garbage. So I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to use it often and I'm going to see how it works. Mm. Plus I got a couple anchor ones and a Mophie and I, you know, I just got some thoughts. I really like MagSafe battery packs because no cable, you just slap it on the back of your phone and it's charging, which is really convenient. The Mophie one, I got the mini juice plus, I think, and it's very tall. It even has a lip as a part of the ma the battery pack to make an affordance for the camera bump, which on the 14 Pro specifically, it actually obscures the lens because it's so tall. It was made for the 13 and 13 Pro models. And on those where the camera bump is smaller, it doesn't obscure it. But on the 14 Pro, it does. I think on the Pro Max, it would be fine, but uh, it's a little too tall. So I went to the Anchor ones. Anchor's got two that I tried. One is the, I think the 622, which is just a plain, slim MagSafe battery pack. It's about as thin as Apple's. It's 5,000 milliamp hours. Got the little button on the bottom, USB-C, little light indicators for charge. I like it. It gets very hot when charging. And I, I don't like when things get hot on my phone. No. I live in Florida and I try to avoid heat, you know, as much as possible. Plus battery health. I, I wasn't crazy about that. I, I like the size. I like the look. You can get multiple colors. Not crazy about the heat. There's another Anchor one that has a built-in kickstand. It's called the Mag Go. That's pretty fun, and you can, you know, has like a little built-in kickstand, has the same USB-C connector, light indicators, doesn't get as hot as the small one, which I like, but it's definitely thicker, so it adds some bulk. And so my conclusion was, I know this is might be an unpopular opinion, but I actually like Apple's MagSafe battery pack the best because it doesn't get hot, it provides enough charge where it gets me through the rest of the day if I'm running low. And it's very slim and also very secure. So that was my conclusion. And I know everybody dunked on it initially, but I still think it's pretty good. Wes, I know I thought it was pretty good too. But William, have you ever tried any of these uh, MagSafe battery packs? No, 
I my battery my 13 Pro is almost always all I need for the day. I've noticed recently, depending on certain tasks and jobs, yes, I, I, I've got twitchy towards the end of the day as it's got low, <laughs> but I haven't actually uh, gone to nothing or... I mean, I have plenty of external batteries that I occasionally carry around with me. I, use, I remember Apple's first um, smart battery cover, the one that everybody thought was so ugly because it was bulbous, but then liked it. I had that. Yes. I liked that for a while, but I haven't needed this. In fact, I'm, I'm aware of MagSafe packs, but you're making me fancy one. They're they're pretty fun. The, the Apple one is just, it's $100, which I think is too expensive. You know, all these Anchor ones are like 50 bucks or 40 bucks. But one of the other things is, Apple's is the only one that is MagSafe certified. So it can do like the seven and a half watt charging and it can even do 15 watt when it's plugged in. And because of that, all the other ones are basic Qi charging, which is five watts. So it's slower. And that's also why it gets hotter, I think, because of the non MagSafe charging. But there is now one open MagSafe certified charger battery pack like this, a listener Tim, who does the iPad Pros podcast, sent me the link. This is a Zag Power Station wireless stand with MagSafe. It is designed with MagSafe compatibility, but this thing is massive. <laughs> it is like very, very big. It's almost like a power bank like you would get, but it is MagSafe. It's charged with USB-C. It has a kickstand, but it sits like low on the phone so it basically gives your phone a huge chin mm-hmm. which would be fine if you want it on a desk as it's like standing and so it's elevated a little bit but this is not something i would want to hold with my iphone and use my iphone while it's on the back also 130 dollars for this which if it's even more expensive than than apples it does have a ton of charging like it's got a lot of battery because it is much bigger so if you want just like the most battery you can get and MagSafe slap it on the back of your phone, I guess it would be a good option. Maybe if you're traveling and because it's MagSafe, it'll charge a little faster than the other Qi, but I wouldn't go for this. This this is very big. I just tried searching Amazon UK for the Mophie MagSafe and it's changed it uh, to searching for Sophie MagSafe, which sounds like a great character. <laughs> yeah, you can trust Sophie MagSafe. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> now starring in the Apple TV Plus original TV show, Sophie Max. Coming soon to Blu-ray and DVD, but possibly only in the UK. That's another story. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I mm. that was just a broke right before we recorded was that Apple is releasing several of their shows like C for All Mankind on Blu-ray disc. Uh, just to be careful, it's not actually Apple. Someone has licensed the shows to a UK firm. Oh. Apple's got to be involved. It's got to be contractually allowed, oh. but it's not them outsourcing. There are too many different production companies for it to be individual. I don't know how it's working, but that company is a, definitely a UK-based one, and they've only put on Amazon Co. UK one of the shows for it. So there's a chance it's not going to go in the States because uh, it looks yeah. like it's a small distributor, but they might make it region free as well. So we still don't know. I've reached out to them actually to ask and just haven't heard back, but as soon as we know. Okay. So this is interesting. These are actually not the first. Yeah, I didn't and- realize. So Defending Jacob, which was the drama starring Chris Evans, a very good show. I mean, yeah, and on the rocks, um, uh, Sphere. Co- oh, so back to Sphere. Near enough, Sphere Coppola's. Um, well, no, I was going to say an excellent film. I really enjoyed it, but it doesn't. Maybe not her best, but a really good film that's been out <laughs> on uh, DVD okay. and Blu-ray too. Yeah, and you can you can buy it like on Amazon right now. I'm looking at the Defending Jacob one. So, or not the first time, but interesting that Apple's uh, doing it. You don't see really other streaming services even letting their stuff. Like, you can't buy Stranger Things no. on disc. I don't think or other. You can get Game of Thrones, I think. And let, let me know, listeners, uh, if you're going to buy any of those Apple shows on Blu-ray, but also what MagSafe battery packs you're using. I'm curious. I want to hear. Uh, and also what MagSafe wallets. That was the question from Brian Barletta. He was looking for a MagSafe wallet that doesn't fall off. I guess his Apple wallet uh, does not stick on very uh, well. And I have not tried other MagSafe wallets. I had Apple's. Yeah. And Apple seemed fine. I was using a case. I asked Brian if he was using a case, and he said, Apple Care is my case. That's who it was who said it. So, And that might be why. I think if you have a silicone or leather case on your iPhone, the MagSafe wallet is a little more sturdy. But yeah, let me know, listeners, if you use a MagSafe wallet that stays on. That's not Apple. I'm curious if there's other brands out there. This episode is brought to you by Tart Cherry Gummies. Listen, so many of us are busy with our schedules, and we're just trying to find ways to get a little more healthy in the routine. I love my Super Beats heart chews that promote heart health, 
Well, the same people that came out with a great way to tackle post-workout inflammation. I don't go to the gym and like lift heavy weights, but I do swim here in my pool. And after that workout, I like to, I love having a tart cherry gummy. They're an easy way to reduce inflammation from exercise and support your metabolic health. These gummies are made with clinically studied tart cherry extract that is up to 40 times more concentrated than many other tart cherry extracts. Just two tart cherry gummies are the antioxidant equivalent of 16 ounces of tart cherry juice or 100 cherries. And they're vegan, non-GMO, have zero sugar, and they're delicious. They're formulated by a team of scientists led by a Nobel Prize winning doctor. Tart cherry has been clinically studied to support metabolic health. And again, they have zero sugar, but honestly, they're kind of like having a little candy after a workout. I love taking them. I take one out of the fridge. My wife even enjoys having them and they taste great. I really like cherry stuff like cranberry juice and stuff. I mean, I love cherry flavored things anyways, but tart cherry gummies are delicious. And they come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Try them risk-free for 90 days. See how you feel. If you don't love them, you can send them back. No questions asked. Right now, you can get up to 35% off tart cherry gummies plus free shipping at mytartcherry.com slash appleinsider. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's mytartcherry.com slash appleinsider for up to 35% off tart cherry gummies. mytartcherry.com slash appleinsider. That link is also in the show notes. Our thanks to My Tart Cherries for sponsoring this episode. All right, I want to talk to you about a couple of big things here. First, VR. Uh, don't you have some uh, source that's told you the release date for the Apple VR headset? Yes, but I'm you... not telling you. Oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. You're going to become a famous Twitter leaker, right? Mm. You're going to put the release on Twitter. That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, I quite yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yes. do it. Uh, Apple Car is Tuesday. Oh, oh it's, <laughs> it's, t- it's, t- it's Tuesday. Okay, very good. It's going to be released before uh, iPadOS 16.1 because it'll be more ready than Stage Manager. I think it's going to need 16.2 oh, for some okay. of the software Self-driving. updates because I think the windows aren't opening oh, properly. Oh, a, bu- a little buggy. Without little it, buggy. you know, fit and finish. <laughs> We're talking days. Okay, very good. So the Apple VR, it's not, this is not really about that, but it's tangentially related. One, there was a biannual survey of teenagers that Piper Sandler does. And I thought it was interesting. Teenagers, apparently the ownership of iPhone among teenagers is up to 87%, which probably bodes well for Apple long-term as those teenagers become adults. will probably continue using Apple devices. I think right now across the US, iPhone versus Android, I think iPhone is at between 60 and 70% ownership. And so if teenagers are at 87%, I think it bodes well for Apple. But one statistic is that the percentage of teenagers interested in VR it was 17%, and this survey, that interest has now fallen to 14%, which I just think is interesting because of the next story with Mark Zuckerberg and the Quest Pro, that interest in VR is waning among young people, which you would think would be the biggest demographic to try a new technology like VR, but I guess they just don't care. No, I I offer that... Um... Yes, this is a demographic that is, I mean, we're talking stereotypes, but stereotypically more likely to try something new. But they, that means they've tried it and there's nothing right. going on there and it's not <laughs> that interesting yet. So they've moved to other things. I mean, I, I've worked with people who do VR dramas and creations like this, and, and, and it's all terribly fascinating and interesting. And I really admire the work they're doing, but nothing has got me wanting to go out and buy a VR set. And I think that's what Apple is going to pull off. I don't know how, but somehow they will make it have something we actually want so it's never going to be just the hardware it's what you can do with it and that's what's lacking i think at the moment so that's why i would imagine teenagers are right. bored of it because it's boring and are moving on so I, I want to hear more of your thoughts on that because this next story mark zuckerberg he did an interview with the verge on the decoder podcast and he went on to talk about the new vr device from meta which is the quest pro the Quest Pro is their new like pro line headset. It is $1,500 for this headset. Compare that to something like the Quest 2, which has been like the consumer buy it to play video games or work out in VR, which is around three or $400, depending on if it's on sale. Yeah. This is now much more expensive. They're calling it a pro model for $1,500. In the episode, <laughs> you know, they tried to get Mark Zuckerberg to talk about like why, why the pro model, why something this expensive. And the only compelling answer he gave really is to try new technologies out on the public, you know, to be able to put technologies that can't be mass produced at a cheaper price, put it in a quote unquote pro model 
and try have users try these pro features and, and see how it could filter down. But what was interesting is Meta is partnering with Windows and really pushing on this whole metaverse idea, which I'll be honest, William, anytime I hear the metaverse, my eyes kind of glaze over a little bit. And I think I, I just don't, I'm like these teenagers. I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care yet. Yeah. And Zuckerberg is like, he's betting on this really big. I mean, Meta is spending millions of dollars on R&D, developing these products. He said on the podcast, not so much that they take a loss, but that this is not hardware for profit. Like they are not trying to be a profitable hardware company. It's unclear whether or not like this is at cost. He says, you know, if you put R&D into the pricing, then this is definitely not at Hmm. cost. But that that can be a little wishy-washy. You know, if you're just talking about the actual pieces of hardware that go into making the headset, it seems like they make maybe a tiny profit, but just not not a big margin. But this partnership with Microsoft, Meta and Microsoft are basically going to be trying to push the metaverse into the enterprise realm. And Zuckerberg talked about the first era of computing, meaning desktops and laptops. You had Mac versus Windows. Mac was the closed system. Windows was the open system. And by and large, when you look at market share, Windows won that era of computing. He went on to the second era of computing being mobile devices. He directly compared iPhone versus Android. And interesting, in Zuckerberg's opinion, he says the iPhone won. The iPhone won in like mind share. Obviously, worldwide, it did not win in market share. Android is more prevalent. Hmm. But when it comes to perception and also profits, the iPhone platform is much more profitable than Android. When you look at the amount of money spent in the App Store, and on the hardware and all that kind of stuff. He says the iPhone won that, but it's a closed system. And Zuckerberg is saying the metaverse, A, is going to be the next big computing platform. I mean, he's putting it in line with desktop computers, mobile devices, and next is VR and the metaverse and AR. I'd be curious your thoughts on that specifically. And then he's saying he wants the open side of this next computing platform to win. Oh, no. And he is saying no. open meaning Microsoft and Meta working together on the metaverse and the closed system being when Apple enters the VR headset world, that will be the closed system. And Zuckerberg thinks that would be less favorable for everyone. He wants the open side of the metaverse to win, which I think is hilariously like ironic Mm. that Facebook is saying that they're on the open side. Like, yes, when it comes just, just looking at everything Meta and Facebook does, but Hey, William, I am curious your thought. Is the metaverse the next phase of mass computing? I've noticed people keep talking about VR and AR, and they haven't noticed you can rearrange those letters to spell out the word bollocks. And it's just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. I have some faith that, I mean, because I've used it a little bit and I can see... Uh, the excitement of people who are developing in it. And I know these people will develop great things. Once we've got great things and that there is a great application and a use, we need the killer app is what we need for it. And it will come. I can't conceive of what it would be, but it will come. Have you used a Quest 2 specifically? Uh, to be honest, I don't know what it was. I put it on my head. I played the game. <laughs> I got quite emotionally attached to this little blob I was trying to save the life okay. of. But, you know. I've I've used a Quest 2, which was the latest version of the thing. I had a friend... My friend loves working out in it. What's up, Nate? He likes working out in the Quest 2 because I guess that's a cool experience. Wow. I feel like working out with a big headset on would be a little cumbersome, but yeah. you can do it. There's a lot. There's a, like a big fitness application to VR. And then I've, I did the games. You know, I did the Star Wars game where it felt like I was force throwing stormtroopers. That was kind of cool. Does not like being in a headset for extended periods of time does not appeal to me. And to try and pitch VR as an enterprise use case where you will work in VR, because this is the selling point. Zuckerberg was saying, you don't have to buy three physical monitors and a hardware computer. You can buy an office or you can buy a 365 subscription from Microsoft where you have access to all of their software. And then you actually get virtual screens. So you put on this headset, like the Quest Pro or whatever future headset devices, and you have your digital virtual workspace and you can have three huge monitors, or you can have 10 50-inch monitors, and your workspace can is virtual, so there's not an additional cost and more monitors, and you're using cloud computing power, like a remote desktop, in the VR world. And so there is a 
actual smaller hardware cost, even if you're buying a $1,500 headset, the virtual setup could have would have been tens of thousands of dollars, but you're only buying one headset and then paying a subscription to Microsoft to have this virtual workspace and access to Office 365 and all that. And so that is like the enterprise selling feature they're trying to talk about. Uh, Microsoft already does sell, uh, I think, for enterprise customers. I mean, it's engineering tools, I can't remember, science applications. There's something where the headset apparently is useful and expensive, uh, but people who like it like it a lot. So I feel like that's already done. And the idea of spending all this money to look closer at your Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> well, I don't want to knock it till I try it, but, you know. Sure. But just like, here's here's my thinking. Have you ever seen the movie Office Space? No. Okay. It's, I mean, it's it was fun in the US. You know, it's cubicle working and it's a comedy and it's, you know, a whole, a whole farce on that. Oh, right. And historically, when you think of the titular office area with cubicles and people just droning on for eight hours a day trying to look busy, and those kind of companies have to hire managers to walk around and make sure everybody's doing something because it's very easy not to. I feel like if this is the future mm. and now you have, instead of people sitting in cubicles at an office, you have people sitting in a headset in a virtual working space. Even if you could feel like you're sitting on a Hawaiian beach working on four monitors, I mean, I have to imagine there's going to be some kind of monitoring that companies will want to know that their workers are actually doing something not just playing Beat Saber or whatever. And it's like, are we going to have like virtual managers that basically check in and make sure everyone's doing their Excel work in the metaverse? Or they're going to be, I guess, the digital checkups to see like how many hours was spent moving a mouse in digital workspace. I don't know. I, I, it's just, it feels weird to me. The only good thing is, I, I imagine you're right, but I expect someone's going to come in with a hack that sends out the signals of heavy typing <laughs> or whatever the equivalent is to fool somebody while you're playing some other game. Yeah, somebody will figure a way around it. I understand the appeal of like, you know, you have a 50 inch monitor in front of you as you're working and there is a cost of that. And maybe other people would want two of those or maybe, you know, people like having three monitors. Yeah. And in a virtual space, you can basically have as many as you want with no quote unquote additional cost unless there's some subscription to, you know, Acer. <laughs> and it says you can have up to four digital monitors in the metaverse. But after that, you have to pay more. Like I could see terrible things like that happening also. And I get the appeal of feeling like you're working at a beach, I guess. And maybe that might make someone more productive. But I just I, I don't like all the dystopian movies are this <laughs> like it's all people going in VR to experience things that are not real. And I feel like it's used for nefarious use cases and work, but that it's not net positive. And I feel like Apple, when they enter this space, I mean, I guess, you know, like that freeform app that they announced at WWDC that was supposed to be, it's coming to iPad. It's a collaborative, like free flowing software. Yeah. Yeah. Freeform. freeform. I yes. guess in an Apple VR, freeform could be an application where you collaborate with other people and it feels like you're in the room with them and you're drawing stuff in the air or on a virtual whiteboard. And I guess Apple could include those things, but I don't, I don't feel like Apple's going to pitch this as an enterprise product. I feel like they would lean into the Fitness Plus and Apple Arcade, maybe Apple TV, like experience entertainment in VR. But I feel like this enterprise play is, is weird. I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, enterprise has money. Right. That's why this is going on. And yeah, uh, Zuckerberg doesn't want an open system. He wants it to be his system and he right. wants to be able to pay for it and enterprise <laughs> will pay for it. So there's a thing, there's been a lot of arts projects here in the UK and I'm surely everywhere else as well using VR. And, and a big issue for the production of them has been the physicality of if, if it's where you have visitors coming to an arts attraction, they're training them to use the headset, giving them the experience, taking it off before they get queasy right. in some cases, then cleaning them. I mean, even pre-COVID, there were issues about cleanliness for it. So now it was just like you, you could have a 15-minute art installation, but you would lose 10 minutes in total either side, right. preparing it for the rest. It feels like that kind of issue... Uh, needs to be solved and, and a lighter uh, if Apple glasses ever really exists maybe that's a, a hardware benefit but I keep coming back to I need to have a reason to put this on and the technology is fun for a minute but after that I've got to be able to do something useful with it 
Oh, this I'm not interested. And, uh, yeah, so. and I also find the whole open argument to be hilarious from Facebook because yes, I mean with Windows in <laughs> and it's as like well. yeah. sure yes. open VR as long as Meta gets all of your eye tracking data and <laughs> other yeah. privacy invasion yes. type of stuff. And it's like eye tracking. Yeah, they'll be able to see as your eyes read the blue screen of death <laughs> text. Fatal exception error at. Oh yeah, oh, they'll you know have to open the Windows Task Manager. I mean, there is there is eye tracking because it, that's necessary for VR. And like, just just imagine mm. the privacy implications. I mean, there were already rumors. I never knew how accurate it was, but that you know, an app can see where you're looking on screen as you scroll social media to know what you're actually interested in. Even if you don't tap on it, it could know where you look. I mean, that would literally be the kind of information that the a VR headset would allow because you are looking at. Yeah. As you turn your head and as you look at things in VR, your interests and motivations are clearly apparent. And that information can be gleaned for advertising. <laughs> and like uh, that just, again, when it comes to what are the benefits of an open system? I, I mean, I don't know if that's enough of, of a benefit to say, like, I don't know. It's just, I'm not sure. But you think it's a, Mark Zuckerberg's interested in advertising. He's not just, you know, looking for the common good in the future of humanity and art for art's sake well kind of again if how is it going to be profitable in the interview zuckerberg also admitted that they've lost you know billions of dollars because of apple's app tracking transparency and ask an app not to track mm. and so they're not making money on the hardware either if they're saying that these are not like margin-based hardware sales i guess yes the income can come from enterprise and that use case but I have to imagine, like, when someone buys a VR headset from Meta in the future, there's going to be some kind of monetization platform. It could be subscriptions. Yeah. But you better believe, you know, you talk about Apple's 30% cut because of a subscription and an app payment. If you're in a Meta VR headset and you want your software to be purchasable by users, you better believe Meta is going to take a cut and it's not going to be 5%. You know, I think they would just as quickly say, oh, yeah, we're open system. Anyone can have an app here. but also, 30% transaction fee whenever someone makes a purchase in VR. I don't know. I'm curious, listeners, what you think about this? I'm, I'm not excited yet for VR. I'll get excited when Apple releases one and tells us why like it's compelling. But I don't know. I'm with you on the fact that uh, we'll wait for Apple. But I think it's interesting. We kind of unthinkingly assume it is going to be Apple that gives us a reason to use this. It's not going to be Meta. Yeah. It's it's not going to be Microsoft either. Uh, I would like there to be other companies than Apple doing it, and yet you're, it is it is going to be Apple. If anyone, it will be Apple. So well, and it's it's. I'm sure that Amazon will get into the VR space if it gets big. Samsung mm. will make their stuff. I'm sure there'll be like Huawei and stuff like that. It's interesting because Microsoft had a Hololens. They were doing this before anybody else and they are giving mm. up that hardware endeavor and just partnering with meta which is an interesting move from a company like microsoft that has the r&d the funds and the size to do their own thing and they're saying nah we'll just partner with meta like that seems odd let us know what you think listeners i'm really curious about this but i i want to touch lastly real quick on this <laughs> fake podcast so so this uh, a company called Play.ht oh, yeah. basically used artificial intelligence to create an interview podcast between Joe Rogan and Steve Jobs. Neither of these people were present, obviously. I mean, obviously Steve Jobs could not, but Joe Rogan was, did not record anything for this. Everything said in this quote-unquote podcast, which went for 24 minutes, was generated by artificial intelligence. All of the entire conversation, every question, every response, totally AI generated from sound bites and clips from both Joe Rogan and Steve Jobs. And, you know, the AI was given information about these people, trained on their biography, like the bi biography of Steve Jobs and recordings of Jobs. And so this podcast is between these two people, never happened in reality, totally AI generated. I listened to it. And in, I mean, on one side, it's like, this is ridiculous because it's, obviously a computer speaking for these people like there's awkward laughs and it's not doesn't feel natural like it feels like an uncanny valley audio recording you know it feels fake but also slightly concerning because 10 years of this technology like 10 years from now and it might be a very convincing thing where you hear someone say something quote unquote on a podcast 
and it was really just artificial intelligence. And this has been a larger conversation. A lot of other shows have talked about artificial intelligence generated artwork, where you can basically feed a couple prompts into an AI and they generate art and graphics that are very compelling. Sometimes they can even follow a style like Miyazaki's anime style and an AI can generate stuff in that style. And it's like, how, like, what are the implications of this long term? But I don't know. What do you think as you listen to this weird podcast? I didn't make it very far through because it felt like um, <laughs> I, I realized I just, I don't know Joe Rogan's voice well enough to know whether it worked or not. Steve Jobs, it sounded like Steve Jobs. It just it sounded like a collection of recordings of Steve Jobs and somebody pressing a button for this sentence now. This sentence fits near enough. That'll yeah. do. Press that one uh, rather than uh, what you said. The natural flow of conversation wasn't there. I mean, I. I obviously don't like it. I don't like the fakery of it, but I I do know AI artists, um, and they, you know, you can argue that it's the AI that produces the work, but it isn't. It's the artists telling it what to do, programming it, adjusting it, massaging it, and things. It is a creative output from the artist using AI as a tool, and I imagine you could argue that this is the same, but because it's using real people, or apparently using real people, then it, it crosses over into um troublesome deep fake kind of areas for me yes right and the deep fake have you seen like some of the tom cruise deep fake videos yeah i mean they are yes, it's... wild and again it's borders on concerning because it's like you can have someone where it looks like tom cruise saying a thing and even doing a thing and it's like there's video footage of this it has to be true like mm, actually it's all deep fake technology so that is concerning but this i think to your point the AI has to be given the raw materials to create this thing. Yeah. And those raw materials is actually what is valuable. I mean, this would not be interesting if not for Steve Jobs, the person who spoke for hours and events and on recordings and interviews and also Joe Rogan, where there's, I mean, literally hours per episode of him talking. And so the AI has plenty of data to crunch and make this fake sounding interview. But it it is an interesting question that I think we're going to have to wrestle with over the next decade of what is real in some cases, what is like valuable, like copyright and trademark stuff. I mean, if there was a podcast that you could get called the Fapple Finsider podcast, and it was William's voice and my voice talking for an hour about topics that we talk about, but it wasn't us, and it might trick people into thinking that it is us, like. That that's concerning. I wouldn't want. What if they preferred it? That exactly. That would be terrifying. Like yes. No, don't want that. And you know, there's going to have to be basically all new laws in place. I would think for AI generated content and what it can mimic, and how to distinguish the real from the generated. Like that's weird, right? Yeah, I do have one hope, though. Uh, um, there used to be, I mean, so long since anybody heard it, would anybody remember this, but there used to be quite a common phrase that the camera never lies. Right. And we know that's absolute nonsense, and we know it so well, nobody ever says that uh, anymore. We we are aware of this going on, and I think that's what will help us get through it. Yeah. Listen, if you're out there and you have some AI generator, uh, don't, don't, don't generate anything of William and I, please. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> well, I won't speak for William. Do you? I mean, I don't want anything generated of my voice. I, I, I assume you wouldn't want your voice spewing whatever out there. No, I can't say that. I, would. I just think, what if, what if he, me, was really clever oh. and funny, and maybe went off and, you know, went on speaking tours while I just had cups of tea back oh. in my office. What? Um, yeah. Hey, anyway, I should probably shut up now. Okay. Right. What what if they could make an AI generated William Gallagher that could star in a movie That's... and is actually an Oscar worthy performance? The AI generation of William Gallagher wins the Oscar, but then you, the person William Gallagher, accept the Oscar because it was based on you. Right. That's just so many levels of unbearable prospects there. But me on a seventy foot IMAX screen. Um yeah, nobody wants that. So okay. <laughs> no, I think everybody wants it. Listen, <laughs> if AI is the only way I can uh, become an egot, I'd be down for it. Right. I'm not a hundred percent sure what an egot is. That sounds like Egypt. 
Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. An EGOT, E-G-O-T, is someone who wins an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Oh, yes, there's, right. There's only like 30-something oh, right. of them. Okay, a Tony yes, as well. Tony, yeah. okay. Listen, if there can be an AI-generated oh. version of me singing as Jean Valjean for a Broadway production of Les Mis, go for yeah. it. Yeah. I'd see my... Yeah. I'd watch, watch that. I'd watch myself doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. No, that's not true. I don't. This is so weird. This conversation just gets so weird. I don't. I don't even know where to go. Yeah, this is the new format, isn't it? Uh, the the follow ups, then the yeah. news, and then the deterioration into madness. I like the way yes, you've done the, that. Yeah. We will. Uh, we will pull out of this descent into madness, and we'll say, listeners, I would like to know your thoughts on VR and AI generated podcasts. So weird. But anyway, yeah. To tweet at William and myself. Uh, let William know what fake movie you'd like to see him starring in as an AI-generated uh, char- a character. And uh, yeah, then give us a five-star rating. Let us know what you think of the format and the Descent into Madness. And of course, you could support the show. Uh, maybe we'll make a, a madness-free version of the episode. Or, or, ma- or maybe you can uh, you, you have to pay for the madness. <laughs> a short one. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah maybe you have to pay extra for the madness at the end of the episode. You can do that at patreon.com slash appleinsider or directly on Apple Podcasts. Madness-free or madness-included. Let me know what you'd like. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time.